The first trial of the former officers charged in the killing of George Floyd is underway. Police officers are rarely prosecuted in such cases, and the world will be watching. The Minnesota Public Radio newsroom, which has followed this case in detail from the beginning, will bring listeners updates on this monumental trial and the consequences it holds for the city and the country. Listen to In Front of Our Eyes wherever you listen to podcasts. A warning to listeners. This episode contains moments of graphic violence, traumatic situations, and uncensored profanity. We know some people have not watched Diamond Reynolds' video from the night of the shooting. This contains intense moments of audio from that video. On Saturday, July 2nd, 2016, the Super USA convenience store in Lauderdale, Minnesota, was open for business for the holiday weekend. Lauderdale's a tiny suburb right between Minneapolis and Falcon Heights. It covers less than half a square mile. It's patrolled by the St. Anthony Police Department. The store is a squat brick building on Larpenter Avenue with neon beer signs in the window. Inside is your standard convenience store spread. Donuts on the shelf, pizza slices under a heat lamp, lottery tickets under glass behind the counter. At 7.30 that Saturday night, two men walked into the store. The police report describes the men as African-American with dreadlocks, glasses, and baseball hats. One of the hats has marijuana leaves on it. They held the cashier at gunpoint. They took $700 in cash and Newport cigarettes and walked out. The police got there just three minutes later, but the men were gone. Two officers responded that night. One of them was Geronimo Yanez. Four days later, when Yanez was patrolling that same stretch of Larpenter Avenue, the robbery was still on his mind. I'm Rehem Fashir. I'm John Collins. And this is 74 Seconds. We're reporters with Minnesota Public Radio. In this podcast, we're telling the story of a traffic stop that ended with Philando Castile dead and Officer Geronimo Yanez facing charges. We'll be following this all the way through the upcoming trial. For the full story, start with episode one. In this episode, we're going to walk you through the night it happened. The entire encounter, from flashing lights to firing shots, took just 74 seconds. that armed robbery we just told you about for $700 in cash and cigarettes, that's what set this all in motion. On July 6, 2016, Officer Yanez was working the night shift. He started at 6 p.m. We checked his work logs. Things started out pretty typical. He pulled over two drivers, wrote two speeding tickets, both on Larpenter Avenue. Then, a white Oldsmobile caught his attention. It was 9 p.m., and still light out, a long summer day. In the front seat, he could make out two people. 21 to 20, what's your location? Fire. That's Yanez calling over the radio to his partner, Joseph Kauser, who was in another car. I'm going to stop a car. 203, Tom, Tom, Mary. I'm going to check that he's every reason to pull it over. The two occupants just look like a 
people that were involved in our robbery. The driver and the passenger in the Oldsmobile just look like people that were involved in our robbery, he says. At some point during this exchange, Yanez runs the car's license plate, but comes up with nothing. It's not stolen. There are no warrants out for the registered owner, Philando Castile. But Yanez keeps following. After the break, Officer Yanez makes the stop. If you're looking for more great stories and investigative journalism, there's another podcast you have to check out, Reveal, from the Center for Investigative Reporting, NPRX. Each week, Reveal takes you into a hidden world or exposes a problem that most people know nothing about. Recently, APM Reports and Reveal teamed up for a look at police training, specifically de-escalation, which we talked about last episode with Curtis Gilbert. Check out all of Reveal's investigations, including that one, on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or anywhere you download podcasts. And we're back. Officer Geronimo Yanez continues to follow the white Oldsmobile east on Larpenter Avenue. He gets on the radio again to his partner. The driver looks more like one of our suspects just because of the wide set nose. I couldn't get a good look at the passenger. His nose, Yanis says, reminds him of the robbery suspects. I'll wait for you. He tells Kowser he'll wait for him before he makes the stop, and he continues to follow. Tell me where you at. Mark Cleveland. Still eastbound. Philando Castile and Diamond Reynolds, in the front seat of that white Oldsmobile, don't know what's happening yet. They've got groceries and Diamond's four-year-old daughter in the back. They've got the windows down in the summer heat. They keep traveling down Larpenter. It's a busy four-lane county road. It slices across a string of suburbs, past fields and strip malls and apartment buildings. As the two cars near the corner of Larpenter and Fry, Yanez turns on his flashing lights. Everything that happens next was captured by Yanez's dash cam and a microphone he was wearing. But we can't play that for you. We've never heard or seen the tape. Because it's an ongoing case, we likely won't hear it until the trial. Someone who does have access to it is Prosecutor John Choi. Going off that tape, Choi narrated the events of the night at a press conference months later when he explained why he was pressing charges against Yanez. The dash cam video reveals the sequence of events that transpired during this critical minute. So, what we know about these next 74 seconds largely comes from Choi and from Diamond Reynolds, who watched it all happen from the passenger seat. She told her story on Facebook Live that night and again the next morning at a protest. We were coming from the grocery store from putting food in my house for myself and my daughter. Diamond and Choi's accounts are almost perfectly in sync. So here's the stop, by the second. Yanez turns on his squad car lights at 9.04 p.m. The 74 seconds start ticking. It takes Philando Castile 12 seconds to pull to the side of the road. 62 seconds to go. Philando comes to a complete stop at the corner of Larpenter and Fry, right in front of a sign for the Minnesota State Fair. 
He puts his car into park. Yana stops too. He gets out of his squad car. Kauser arrives and gets out of his. 47 seconds to go. Yanez takes lead. Kauser hangs back. Officer Yanez approached Castile's vehicle on the driver's side. That's John Choi describing what happened. Yanez could see both of Philando's hands as he approached. He could smell weed, he said later. Officer Yanez described Castile as initially having his left arm over the steering wheel with both hands in view. Yanis puts his hand on his belt near his gun. 40 seconds to go. Officer Yanez positioned himself facing the driver's side of the window, leaned his head forward, exchanged greetings with Castile, and informed him of his brake light problem. And we got pulled over what allegedly was supposed to be a broken taillight. When he, he let us know that we had a broken taillight, he asked us, were we aware of it? We said no. As Yanez is talking to Philando, Kauser approaches the other side of the Oldsmobile, stopping near the back passenger door. 29 seconds to go. Officer Yanez asks Castile to produce his driver's license and proof of insurance. 24 seconds. Castile first provided him with his insurance card. 14 seconds. Yanez looks at the insurance card. He puts it in his pocket. He still needs to see ID. My boyfriend carries all his information in a thick wallet in his right side back pocket. 10 seconds. Castile then calmly and in a non-threatening manner informed Officer Yanez, Sir, I have to tell you that I do have a firearm on me. As he's reaching for his back pocket wallet, he lets the officer know, Officer, I have a firearm on me. Seven seconds. Before Castillo completed the sentence, Officer Yanez interrupted and calmly replied, Okay and placed his right hand on the holster of his own holstered gun. Officer Yanez then said, okay, don't reach for it then. Castile tried to respond, but was interrupted by Officer Yanez, who said, don't pull it out. Castile responded, I'm not pulling it out. And Reynolds also responded by saying, He's not pulling it out. I begin to yell, but he's licensed to carry. Then, Officer Yanez screamed, don't pull it out, and quickly pulled his own gun with his right hand while he reached inside the driver's side window with his left hand. Officer Yanez pulled his left arm out of the car and then fired seven shots in rapid succession into the vehicle. After that, he began to take off shots. But, 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 don't move, don't move. And it's over. The seventh and final shot was fired at 9.06 and 2 seconds p.m. From flashing lights to the final shots, it all took 74 seconds.
Yanaz's partner, Joseph Kauser, who was standing at the back of the car, never drew his gun. He never even touched it. After the final shot, Reynolds frantically yelled, You just killed my boyfriend. Philando Castile moaned and uttered his final words. I wasn't reaching for it. That's all we know about those critical moments. And we know that Philando had nothing to do with the robbery at the convenience store. What the jury will have to consider, though, is what Yanez thought. And that is the big question. Philando Castile said he wasn't reaching for his gun. Diamond Reynolds said he wasn't reaching for his gun. But minutes after the shooting, Yanez said that he thought he was. Shots fired. Copy, shots fired. Lerpner and Fry. Do you need medics? Stay with me. We got pulled over for a busted tail light in the back. Less than a minute after the final shot, Diamond Reynolds turned on Facebook Live. He ain't killed my boyfriend. He's licensed. He's carrying. This is the video that you've probably seen. It went everywhere. In his wallet, out his um pocket and he let the officer know in it she's got the phone pointed at her face she could see herself on the screen when she turns the camera you can see philando blood is spreading across his white t-shirt his seatbelt is still buckled you get a glimpse of officer yanez at the driver's side window you can't see his face but you can see his gun he still has it pointed at them even as Philando slumps in his seat and groans. We're waiting for a back. I will, sir. No worries. I will. Fuck! Told him not to reach for it. I told him to get his hand open. He had, you told him to get his ID, sir, and his driver's license. Oh, my God. Please don't tell me he's dead. You can't ignore how calm Diamond is in this. She's even polite. Yanez is yelling and swearing. Diamond is calling him sir. Please don't tell me my boyfriend just went like that. Keep your hands where they are, please. Yes, I will, sir. I'll keep my hands where they are. Now remember, there's a third person in the car for all this. Someone who saw everything. Someone who was watching from the back still buckled into her car seat. Diamond's four-year-old daughter. After the shooting, Officer Kauser opens the door and unbuckles her. There's a bullet lodged in the back seat, on the other side from where the child was sitting. Driver. At gunpoint. Juvenile female. Child. Is with 6920. Couple other squads block off intersections. Get supervisors here. Uh, them out. Copy one adult female in custody. Drivers at gunpoint. Juvenile females with 6920. We need a couple other squads to block off the intersection. We need supervisors on scene there. Officers from the nearby suburb of Roseville start to arrive. All they know is that an officer has been involved in a shooting. What they see when they get there is Yanez, still pointing his gun at Philando and Diamond in the car. Time 2107. Engine 23 and Medic 23, Larpenter Avenue West and Fry Street, 
Police on scene. Shooting. Stand by for police. They start to take control of the scene. Philando still bleeding in the front seat. They order Diamond out of the car. You can hear this on her Facebook Live video. Get the female passenger out. Right now with your hands up. Let me see your hands. Exit now. Keep them up. Keep them up. One of the officers has an AR-15 rifle pointed at her. The cops order her to walk backwards towards them. She has her hands raised over her head, but she's still holding her phone. Get on your knees. Get on your knees. They order Diamond to her knees. The phone drops. You just see sky and power lines. They handcuff her. You can hear the click. Ma'am, you're just being detained right now until we get this all sorted out, okay? They threw my phone, Facebook. Please don't tell me, Lord Jesus, please don't tell me. Once Diamond is out of the car, Roseville officers open the Oldsmobile's driver's side door and unbuckle Philando. They pull him out of the car and lay him on the ground. Now there's a second video of what happened that night. Catherine Bleth shot it as she stood across the street. She filmed the officers performing CPR. She shared this video with us, and we talked to her about that night. She lives in an apartment complex right at that intersection. She was just getting home when she saw all the lights. My neighbors were saying that they thought it was fireworks. I do remember thinking, like, this person is not going to make it if they're having to administer CPR this long. Paramedics arrive at this point. They take over from the officers. As they roll Philando Castile onto a backboard, Roseville police saw his handgun begin to slide out of the right pocket of his shorts. Yanez is still there through all of this. He's talking with other officers. And what he says was captured on his microphone. We've seen bits of the transcript. He didn't tell me where the fucking gun was, he says. I was getting fucking nervous, he says. In all the chaos... With the flashing lights of more police cars and an ambulance, what Catherine Bleth remembers in all this was Diamond. She could hear her from across the street. And I think the most notable thing that I remember happening that was probably the hardest to witness, actually, was that you could hear the woman, you could hear her crying from the police car and that they would, you know, occasionally they brought her in and I saw them close it in on her. The Roseville police have Diamond in the back of a police car at this point. Someone has given her her phone back, and it's still streaming, but the battery's dying, she says. She asks for help from anyone who's listening. Her daughter is in the back of the squad car with her through this. She's only four, and she tries to comfort her mother. I can't really do shit because they got me handcuffed. It's okay, Mommy. I can't believe they just did this. I'm fucking... Fucking... Ah! It's okay. I'm not here with you. It's getting dark now. The street is filled with flashing lights. An ambulance pulls away with Philando Castile. Officers take Diamond Reynolds and her daughter to the Roseville Police Station. Yanez gets a ride back to St. Anthony. By early morning, he's home. Meanwhile, 
Diamond Reynolds Facebook Live video is ricocheting around the internet. It's being shared across the country by horrified viewers. In the Twin Cities, it's stirring people from their homes. 10, 11, midnight, 1 a.m., people keep showing up on Larpenter Avenue to see for themselves and to yell at police. You should be ashamed of yourselves! You have no heart standing up for a murderer! It's late, but dozens gather. They're still there in the middle of the night when Philando Castile's white Oldsmobile is towed away. They're still there as his blood is washed off the pavement. Next time on 74 Seconds. A couple people come up to me and they're like, do you think we should go to the governor's mansion? And I'm like, yes. How the shooting shook the Twin Cities and the country. You can keep up with the trial and everything related to the case by following us on Twitter at 74SecondsMPR. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And if you can, give us a rating. It really helps people find the show. 74 Seconds is hosted and reported by me, John Collins. And me, Reham Fashir. It's produced by Tracy Mumford and Hans Buto. It's edited by Paul Tosto, Meg Martin, and Mike Edgerly. Production assistance by Manda Lilly. This episode was engineered by Corey Shruppel. We had additional reporting from Sylvie Wastvet and the staff of NPR News. Our theme music is by Joffrey Wilson. Special thanks to Samara Freemark, Madeline Barron, Curtis Gilbert, Molly Bloom, and Jonathan Blakely. 74 Seconds is a production of NPR News and American Public Media. Tracy from 74 Seconds, and we wanted to let you know that our colleagues at APM Reports just launched the new season of their award-winning podcast, In the Dark. In this second season, they explore a new story with life-or-death consequences. It's the case of four people who were killed in a small town in Mississippi, and the story of why a black man on death row has been tried six times for those murders. You can listen and subscribe to In the Dark on Apple Podcasts.